our strategy was to figure out if it sells before you, you know, start building a company around it. Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, where we're dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And I believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io slash connect to learn more. Now let's get on with the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Honest E-Commerce. Today, I'm coming to you with another founders story, plural. Now I've got two founders on the podcast today. Today, I'm welcoming to the show the co-founders of Mad Rabbit, Salam and Oliver. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thank you, Chase. Hey, thanks for having us. Absolutely. So um, you guys are graduates of Miami University's Farmer School of Business. Is that where you met? Correct. Yeah, we met there our second semester freshman year. So yeah, that's where we graduated. And instead of going to parties, you guys founded an e-com business. Correct. Yeah. Um, well, let's be clear. We founded it our senior year. So we had, we had a few fun years before. Awesome. So where did the idea come from? Uh, I'm, I'm very curious about this. Yeah. So um, it originally started... So throughout college, I was doing some side consulting for um, a few startup e-commerce companies, one of them being an apothecary. So I was kind of... I was at their their warehouse, you know, kind of looking at a bunch of ingredients, kind of learning more about the space and cosmetics and things like that. But what I was consulting for, I was in charge of kind of expanding their product lines um, and kind of opening up new markets for them. Uh, one of the one of the products I stumbled upon, and the markets I stumbled upon was the tattoo market. Um, they actually had a tattoo soap already formulated, um, and they just weren't very interested in running with that market. It was kind of contrary to their witch and Wiccan style uh, brand that they currently had. And it just got me interested enough to start doing research in that market. Uh, we, we noticed it was definitely underserved. So I, I think a, a great story to kind of testament to that. If you ask anyone what they treated their tattoo with after they get a tattoo, I bet you a lot of them would say petroleum jelly or aquaphor. Which is fine, um, but they're not specifically formulated for tattoos. Um, there are certain chemicals in it that are actually not good for the tattoo healing process. Um, and we realized that there's a really great market opportunity for tattoo products that were specifically formulated to help people take care of them over the long term. You might be talking to probably one of the only podcast hosts in this whole ecosystem that knows more about tattoos than you, I'd guess. I worked at a shop for 5 years. I know all about the products. I know about all the nonsense that people use to take care of it for aftercare. And I checked out your guys' product and I'm a, I am a believer. Uh, I will say that. But yeah, you can't be any more right. Uh, Aquaphor and petroleum jelly are probably not the best things to use. Right. So I should have done this earlier, by the way. Explain Mad Rabbit and kind of the, what, what your product is that you guys are offering. Totally. Yeah. So we currently are a one product store. Um, we started off with what we call our Mad Rabbit Original Tattoo Balm. So it's a mixture of seven all natural ingredients, um, things like shea butter, cocoa butter, um, two scents, which are frankincense and lavender, and a couple other um, kind of more secret all natural ingredients that um, also have specific benefits. So our goal is to make taking care of people's tattoos much easier, um, kind of get people in the routine of it, and and to formulate products 
that are only all natural and just simple to use. Absolutely. So um, way back when you guys met in college, and then you guys decided to kind of launch this business together, uh, you know, in your senior year, you know, what made you guys decide to go into business together? I guess what what should people be looking for in a co-founder or a partner? Um, so I guess when we met, it was our second semester freshman year. I guess we kind of clicked because we were both people who were like hardworking and looking for ways to, I guess, move forward in life. And also we weren't people who were complacent. We were always looking for the next thing to make ourselves better. Whereas like when people went to college to just focus on their majors, get a full-time job and graduate, we were kind of looking for something else, something else for full-time. And that's when we started looking into e-commerce. So we actually, our first business together was a women's swimsuit company. So we would drop shit women's swimsuits from China. And that lasted for a few months. And we ended up selling that business for a little profit. So it was a modest profit. So that's when we knew that we were, okay, we were good, I guess, business partners. So after we sold that, we started experimenting with other uh, niches in the, I guess, e-commerce industry. So we experimented with uh, sleepwear, watches, handbags, and those weren't really the markets we wanted to focus on. And then Oliver came to me with the idea of the tattoo bomb. So he had originally texted me sometime in uh, like October, November timeframe, asking if I wanted to start a tattoo after company. And I had originally said no because I didn't have tattoos and I didn't know much about the industry. All I knew that, all I knew was that tattoos look cool. So like for that first week, I kind of ignored him and said no. And then he kept pressing. So I was like, all right, I'll do some research, did some research and saw that there were other brands out there in the tattoo the care space, but they weren't doing a good job relating to the customers or putting out effective marketing materials to teach the customers about tattoo aftercare to draw them to the brand to end up purchasing. We saw that as a weakness and that's something that I was like, all right, let's jump on it. So then my next question was, okay, what ingredients are we going to pick? How are we going to cook this? Like, what are the logistics of this? But luckily, um, Oliver's mother had years of apothecary experience in her background. So she helped us pick our initial first seven ingredients, which was shea butter, cocoa butter, beeswax, calendula oil, sweet almond oil, lavender, and frankincense. I think that's seven. So with those first seven, we would um, order them from local stores or sometimes if the local stores would take too long to ship to Oliver's college apartment, we would Amazon Prime them. Luckily, a lot of these ingredients were on Amazon. So we'd order the ingredients, we'd order mailer bags, stickers, and the tins, all from different websites. And then multiple times a week, we would skip class or like not go to social events just to cook these bombs. And we were cooking about 500 to 1,000 units every single week. So it was a lot of work. So the first, so this was around the January to, I guess, graduation time from her. We we're just like cooking, 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 cooking. And then luckily, we got a $7,000 loan in which we used to put in our uh, first manufacturing order of 3,000 units. So from that point on, we stopped cooking, which was nice. So the manufacturer would ship uh, half the units to his house, half the units to my house, and we'd ship orders that way. But then we were still like, it was still a lot of work and we wanted to automate it as much as possible. So we made it our goal that summer to find a distribution center. And we ended up finding one in Idaho, which is called Dollar Fulfillment. And they've been fulfilling our orders for us to date. But yeah, that's the background story of how I guess we launched the business. Awesome. So I guess um, I got a lot of questions for you guys. And uh, I think these are going to be the same questions that all of our listeners are going to have. So 
first is what was kind of the first initial marketing strategy that caught on that helped you start to move these units? Well, so like the way we tested the proof of concept is we used Facebook advertising and we start off with traffic ads. So we'd make a bunch of different Instagram story, Instagram feed, Facebook feed creatives, and just keep testing to see, okay, which of these images draws picture people to the website for the cheapest amount of clicks. So once we figured out, okay, this picture is going to draw people to the website, then we figured out, okay, are we going to put a discount onto the creative to make people want to purchase? Or are we going to do a buy one, get one free or no discount at all? Before you get any further in that, um, I just want to just make sure that everyone listening kind of knows that that's also a very important part of kind of choosing the market you want to go into for e-commerce. Um, the, testing these traffic ads and things like that on Facebook and seeing how the product will sell. Um, that's, that's really an important step that we took uh, even before we really started you know, handling things like production and things like that. Because our, our strategy was to figure out if it sells before you, you know, start building a company around it. Carry on. So yeah, those are the three concepts. It was discount code, buy one, get one free or no discount. So then obviously we saw people love discounts. So that's when we them to the website. And also people love buy one, get one free. So obviously those two end up working better than the no discount at all. So we used the discount and the buy one, get one free as conversion ads to draw people to a site more likely to purchase. And then we still used the, I guess, creative with no sort of discount on it. Because we knew that if we had a pop-up on the website, it was draw, draw, would still draw people to our website, but those people wouldn't purchase. But then they would put their email in the pop-up. So then we use all three to our advantage. So that way, even if people don't end up purchasing from our ads, we would just send them an email later on. And then uh, they end up buying from us. Want to get each new episode of Honest E-Commerce sent straight to your phone? Join our VIP texting list for updates on new episodes and exclusive deals from our partners. Text Honest VIP, that's H O N E S T VIP, to 72599 to join. By the way, we're powering our text messages with PostScript, the number one text message marketing app for Shopify stores. Check out the show notes for a link to install PostScript for free today. So, you guys were testing this before you kind of went all in on it. I guess what were you looking for with those first rounds of tests uh and you know seeing if you could get tr- cheap traffic on Facebook which nowadays Facebook is pretty expensive it's a very mature platform and I guess putting all your eggs in that basket is a risky business maneuver. What were kind of some of the signs you were looking for that you had a winning product and you had a good good market that you were advertising to? So the three metrics that I looked uh, to make sure like an ad was doing really well was first, which one was bringing people to, a web- to the website for the cheapest amount of clicks, which ads were bringing people to add to cart for the cheapest uh, rate, and then pe- uh, ads that were bringing people to purchase for the cheapest rate. So all those three metrics and also testing a variety of audiences. So testing different, I guess, sports, different uh, teams, different tattoo, I guess, uh, tattoo interest. So then we probably tested about 50 interest and then we narrowed it down to about 10. So out of that 10, we use five of them uh, still today just to reach out to our customers and they've been doing really, really well for us. Awesome. Can I ask how long were you guys doing this initial testing phase for? 
this testing phase was probably from November to December 2018 because we officially launched in January 2019. So that testing phase was a couple months and it was profitable, but we didn't want to go full scale because we obviously are a company that didn't start with um, any like outside VC funding. So we had to make sure everything was 100% correct before we threw all our eggs into one basket. Gotcha. And then is it, uh, would you be able to share with us kind of like what sort of investments you were making into, you know, testing the paid media? Or if maybe a different way to word that question would be if you were to give someone a suggestion of like what they should be budgeting to test a, you know, test Facebook and Instagram ads, you know, over two months to get just getting their feet wet and getting started, like where you might set the minimum threshold at. Tell me if I'm right here, but. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that we can confidently say that you'll know if you have a winning or a losing product within two weeks of testing. And then that's kind of when you kind of move on to the second phase, which is, you know, increasing the, the kinds of ads that Salam was talking about, um, you know, finding out what performs best. Uh, so it's almost kind of tiered. So I, th- I think when you first launch your initial ads, you're watching the analytics for about two weeks and you'll have a pretty good idea. Um, if, if you can make some profitable return on it. Salam, is that correct? Yeah, Oliver is correct. Yeah, the first two weeks. So basically a couple hundred dollars, but then also depends on how saturated your niche is. So if your niche is super saturated, it's going to obviously take a lot of money. But other than that, what Oliver said is correct. So, so Salam, think back to when we were in a competitive market like women's swimsuits. Do you remember, do you recall about how much we spent? So I know for... The uh, tattoos, it was a couple hundred dollars before it started getting sales. But for the women's swimsuits, it was honestly the same because like when Oliver and I get into a niche, we try to do as much research as possible just to make sure when we start spending money, it's being spent efficiently. So whenever we launch a company together, it's been around a couple hundred dollars before we start getting sales. But for the average person who's new to it, I would say it's about 500 to 1000 so you you'd say spending five hundred to a thousand on a proof of concept is a realistic budget to have in mind. So people that are out there testing the waters with fifty to a hundred bucks are probably not going to get any data worthwhile. No, probably not because you you have to spend money to make money, and it also depends on like how much time you spend into research. I guess people don't want to put too much effort into having a winning i guess ad set that brings in revenue. So the more research and time you put in, the more patience you have before you spend those initial couple hundred dollars is really, really important towards your success in the future. So Salam, what, what kind of research are you referring to? So I would say research into looking at what kind of ads the competitors are running, looking at what keywords they put into their ads. So looking on YouTube and Google, like uh, Googling, okay, how do I run an ad? How do I segment audiences? How do I know which audience is right for me? What audience size is the best audience size to run an ad towards? So questions like that. It sounds like you guys uh, did a lot of the work yourself at the beginning. How much time do you think you invested in learning these skills yourself? Like I guess maybe hours a week or a month or or whatnot uh, to be able to have a confidence to jump in and do this. Yeah. So I think a lot of that we can accredit to all the free resources out there that that are up on YouTube and in you know various e-commerce Facebook groups you know it's a shame there's actually quite a few self-proclaimed e-commerce gurus who offer packages that that really are just capitalizing on free information that's already out there but we probably did 
I don't know. I was probably in a Facebook group and reading articles and watching a couple hours of YouTube every day for about two to three weeks before I, I felt comfortable jumping in. Salam, would you agree? What was your time frame? You started a little before me. Yeah. So it was basically, I guess, one to two weeks of research in the niche. And then I also had a friend uh, who's still, I guess, part of the team now. And I remember when I first got into e-commerce, I would ask him questions every single day, every single hour, every second, <laughs> because I've been in the field for much longer than I have. So he's kind of my e-commerce mentor. And he's someone that I would say like really, really helped me get, I guess, become more knowledgeable in e-commerce. So I would credit most of our, a lot of our, our success so far to him. Yeah, another thing to note that Salam and I haven't made the distinction of on this podcast yet. Um, so I'm kind of more operationally focused. Salam is the one who's who's into the nitty gritty ads. He's kind of like the the ad wizard, if you will. And that kind of gets back to your question of like, how do you know when you have a good partner? Um, I know for a fact I don't have the you know the the thinking and the learning style to to learn ads. I know that's not my strong suit, and I know that's not where my time is best spent. And and Salam, I would say that my my skill set complements yours um, because you know that is your strength. But um, so Salam, the research that he's doing is a lot different than the research that I'm doing. So for example, I am currently researching things like you know how to get our SPF cleared uh, through the FDA, um, whereas Salam is you know always trying to get ad spend down and more efficient. So we are you know our learning is focused on two different things. Um, so you kind of just need to find a partner that complements it well. I couldn't agree more. When we first started the agency, we were just tag teaming everything and it was so inefficient. And once we drew like solid lines in the sand, it's like, these are my responsibilities and these are your responsibilities. It changed the business overnight. Yeah, that organization is really important. If, if you're not organized, it's going to make everything really difficult for you. And it just it's something that you don't realize until you actually look at it. If two people are responsible for one thing, each person is going to think the other person's doing it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, uh, if you're looking to get a partner, uh, I, I can't agree anymore with... Uh, you want someone that's the yin to your yang. Uh, someone that can uh, do the things that you aren't the best at. Someone that complements uh, your strengths and weaknesses. Those are the best types of partners to work with. If you are, you know, if you're starting a brand and both of the founders are amazing, you know, amazing theme developers, I don't know if that's going to be a very fruitful partnership uh, because you're going to have so many of the same shortcomings, uh, and it might not be the best fit. So, and maybe a fair warning to some people out there. This episode is brought to you by Clavio. Clavio helps brands deliver more personalized digital marketing experiences via email, SMS messages, social ads, and more. And since it's all driven by real-time e-commerce data, you can make sure every interaction feels more relevant. When you have a 360-degree view of the customer, the growth possibilities are endless. Visit Clavio.com to schedule a demo. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com. You mentioned e-commerce gurus, and that is actually kind of the that was the thought process behind the name of the podcast, Honest E-commerce. I wanted to be honest with everybody about the hard work that goes into building a brand. Um, so let's kind of dive in a bit there and talk about it. There's a lot of scam artists out there, and if it was that easy to build a successful brand, why can't everybody do it? What are your guys' thoughts on kind of those, you know? Uh, I kind of say the the dark underbelly of the dropship and e-commerce community. 
It's a good question. I do think that anybody with an internet connection can get into e-commerce and run a successful brand. I do think that. Whether I think developing the brand from the ground up is everyone's strength, no. And that kind of gets back to earlier what I was saying. Like You really need to know your strengths and weaknesses. I had, luckily in high school, I got a small passion for graphic design and got kind of an early introduction into Photoshop. Um, so that kind of just sparked some interest into um, things like design and good design and what it means to, to incorporate good design into a brand and incorporated that into my college minor, which is interactive media studies, kind of focusing on things like digital marketing, graphic design, um, just really an intro to brand creation, I guess, which is a great program um, that I was very fortunate enough to choose. But yeah, it's really not as easy as people think, <laughs> which I think is part of the reason why we chose black as our color palette. Because you know, when you start complicating all these decisions, um, you can get into a really, really messy web of a brand that doesn't have a whole lot of unity in its design. Absolutely. Let's be honest today, all of your customers are going to have questions. And what are you doing to manage all those questions? Do you have a help desk for your business? One of our sponsors of today's episode is Gorgeous. And Gorgeous is the number one rated help desk for e-commerce. It integrates seamlessly with Shopify. We have installed it on a bunch of stores. It's also used by brands like Movement and Rothy's. And what it does is it takes all of your customer insights and information, brings it into one amazing dashboard so you can solve their problem as quickly as possible. If you want to give Gorgeous a try, visit gorgeous.link slash honest. That's G-O-R... G-I-A-S dot L-I-N-K slash H-O-N-E-S-T to get your second month free. Going back to the question uh, with the whole kind of like uh, buy my course and you can you know become an internet millionaire. Uh, if anyone listening is thinking about doing that, I would highly, highly suggest that you do not do it. Please don't do that. Yeah, you, I'm, we're going to save you thousands of dollars here. All, almost all of that information, if not all of it, is available, like they said, for free in other places. Um, and some of it is honestly, some of it is the same stuff of a cheaper course repackaged with another zero on the end. It's it's a very odd ecosystem. And you know, I've been running the agency for over five years. I have helped brands make millions of dollars. And I'm not exaggerating to make myself sound cool. I'm showing you I know what I'm talking about. And I personally haven't founded a brand that's successful. Because finding that winning target audience, finding that winning product is so hard. That's the hardest part about all of this. The rest of it's kind of easy to learn. So I'm just stressing that it takes a lot of work. And it takes a little bit of luck, honestly, I'd say. Correct. I have all many friends who've kind of seen the success that I'm gonna have undergone, and you know they've asked me to help them build a website and and learn and start with dropshipping. That's a great place to start, by the way. Dropshipping, there's so many advantages to it. One of them being you don't need to worry about inventory, which I cannot understate enough is a huge pain in the ass. But so dropshipping is great. So anyway, I'll help these friends build a store. Um, some of them will get to the point of purchasing a domain. Most of them won't even do that. <laughs> really the first the first step is is jumping in like there's too much thought before actually trying right there's it, people who who reach out and ask for help i would say maybe 5% of them end up running a facebook ad so how can you i mean how can you know you'll you'll never know if you don't truly start the 10 people i've helped 
I guess, try to launch a brand and only one or two of them have actually like gone to the stage where they launch a Facebook ad because they don't understand. They think it's going to be a quick buck. Everything's going to happen right away, but it takes a lot of time just to like figure out the branding, what you want to name it, the website, figuring out customer service, how you're going to deal with that and how you're going to communicate to your customers. And that's, those are things that people don't want to put time into it. So once they get to that point and see all of that, then they just give up, which is not the right way to go about it. Absolutely. You know, it's that zero to one. You just got to get started somewhere and you're going to make a bunch of mistakes and you're going to learn really fast and you just got to correct the course and steer the ship and just keep going. Let's pivot back to what's going on at Mad Rabbit now. Um, so, you guys are now, you're a couple of years in and you've been running this thing full time. What's the growth looked like? Uh, what, you guys setting any records this year? Uh, how's it going now? Yeah, well, actually, we're neither of us are currently full time, which is <laughs> kind of interesting. Um, that, that is a likely next step for us here soon. Um, especially as we are launching, uh, both a sunscreen and a soothing gel here soon, that's going to be definitely taking up more of our time. But, um, yeah, we've been absolutely crushing records. Salam, if you want to just walk them through our, our accolades this year so far. Um, so our first year, uh, 2019, we did just over 400 K in revenue. And I guess our first six figure a month was in December. And I guess it was once we hit that first six figure month, we were like, all right, we have to make sure we're still profitable, but then hit the six figure month consistently. And then so far this year, we've done a million dollars alone just this year. And then this month is going to be our biggest month by far. So, like, one thing that I guess we're just, we're still making sure that we're still running profitable ads. And if not, making sure it's better, the efficiency is better than the last month. But those are the records we've broken so far. Yeah, and I think I think that's a testament to quite a few things. First, being we kind of uh, we started off only on Facebook and Instagram ads. Uh, this year, we've expanded onto Pinterest. Um, we've been investing thousands of dollars in awesome content. We have a great photographer, videographer, and editor out in Los Angeles. Um, shout out to Garen, who has been a godsend in terms of kind of helping us find our brand vibe on Instagram. And then we've launched on TikTok as well, which has been definitely more experimental, uh, but is, is paying early returns for sure. That you guys answered the next question I had. I was like, are you still, you know, is all your eggs in one basket or have you now started to diversify after finding that winning channel? So now you're moving into a few different paid channels. What about owned media? Are you guys trying anything with SMS or email? How's that work? Yeah. So our email list is currently sitting at. A little over 100,000 people. Email marketing. I try my best to send an email once every single week. So it's either on Thursday or Friday when people get their paycheck. So that way they can, I guess, go to our website and end up purchasing products. So we do a lot of email marketing. We do a lot of email retargeting. So basically, email is going to people who abandon cart, people who view the item, or people who visit the website. They get emails. We also have emails to customers who like purchased recently to go make a YouTube video for a reward. We have emails going to customers to leave a review on the website. Um, and then we also do SMS where when people, uh, I guess, abandon a cart, they get a text an hour later from an actual human being saying, hey, um, we saw that you forgot to complete your checkout. Here's a discount code if you want to go finish buying your product. That's been working really well. So we've expanded the mediums that we use to reach our customers and bring in revenue. So that's good. That's awesome. Now, um, before we go, is there anything that I forgot to ask you guys that you think would be worthwhile to share with the audience? 
Yeah, I think there's there's kind of one more key part of our our winning formula here, um, and Salam kind of touched on it at the end, um, and it, it's it's fostering a community of excited customers who want to share their story, right? And and tattoos are kind of a great example of that. People who have tattoos are just a lot more likely to want to talk about them because you know they want to show them off. They're cool. Um, so what we've done through things such as you know marketing inserts saying, "Hey, post us on your story." Um, with your bomb and we'll feature you. That's an early way we started building our community. Um, like Salam said, then people talking about their tattoos on YouTube. Uh, we do we do tattoo tours on TikTok, things like that. Just really um, kind of making people feel good about their tattoos is a huge core um, core part of our organic growth. And it's we're also kind of going along with that, trying to become the the leading educator on tattoo care. Um, so kind of what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast where um, tattoo aftercare recommendations are currently really up to artists who have, you know, I'm not knocking artists. We love them, of course, but, you know, they don't have medical backgrounds. Um, they, they don't, they haven't put the research in into formulations that, that we have. And, you know, we want to become the leading educator on, on how to best preserve the awesome art that they do. So um, really the commitment to building that community is so important to, organic growth. That's awesome. Now, if, if people are uh, curious about the product, where should they go? Yep. You can find us at madrabbittattoo.com. Um, our Instagram is shopmadrabbit. And Salam, our Pinterest and mm-hmm. TikToks are madrabbittattoo. Correct. Awesome. I can't thank you guys enough for coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. This was a blast. Absolutely. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their journey and knowledge with us today. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our businesses. Links and more information will be available in the show notes as well. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, feel free to reach out and learn more at electriceye.io slash connect. Also, make sure you subscribe and leave an amazing review. Thank you.